welcome back to Travoltine Presents Easy Riders. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering Night on Earth with special guest William Angelico. What's up, guys? What's up? Are you ready <laughs> to spend a night on, on Earth? Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I've almost been preparing for this my entire life with all the nights on Earth I've had. Will you look shell-shocked with uh, the opening I recording? I didn't know if I could comment on it. I feel like I've been taking on some sort of science you can fiction uh, epic <laughs> in a matter of 20 seconds. <laughs> you could absolutely comment on a, it. A grand Because I'm very, very escapades. proud of Like this. the end of 2001 when all the stuff is flashing. That was in my eyes right now when you were doing that. <laughs> For the folks at home, I've already explained this too, but now we can just do the intro and keep continuing. We don't have to like pause. Yeah, we don't do have to pause stuff. and then have a second conversation about if we did the intro right. We just gotta do it. Now. <laughs> we just gotta do it in one take. We'll do it live. Though <laughs> Stuart, I must confess, part of me was really tempted that we should forego our usual intro and just start this episode by uh, a similar way to this movie and just. Oh just like Tom Waits just grumbling. What are you talking about? It's the best intro. So I watched this with my mother and my sister. Yes. And <laughs> I started it, and that is the intro. And at my sister, Ashley, she didn't know. I don't think she'd ever heard Tom Waits. So she goes, why does he sing like that? <laughs> and he said, she's like, does pe- do people like that? I said, yes, a lot of people, people really, like that. In fact, really like don't that. He, yeah. Don't say that in public, actually, because <laughs> the people who do like it might say something bad to you. Yeah. <laughs> the people who like it are t- somewhat aggressive sometimes. <laughs> About it. Yeah, they are. What do you mean? It's not what do you mean, Tom? It's the same guy in Robots where he does the underground, like, <laughs> Like, right, Stuart, right? did you just deadass only know Tom Waits from the 2005 <laughs> animated motion picture Robots? Is that what just happened there? I'm not going to lie. That is true. <laughs> I'll be frank. I have no idea if Tom Waits is the guy in Robots. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he is. He has the same kind of voice. I'm pretty sure. I forgot that movie existed right. for all of eternity until you just messaged it. Mes- <laughs> mes- mentioned Fanny? it right now. Yes. It's a movie that Stuart, Stuart only knows that movie because Robin Williams is in it. That's true. That is very true. I will not make apologies. I went to a, a science camp in middle school, and they played robots instead of teaching us things. What did you learn? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. We watched robots. Uh, Stuart, he is not the voice of the guy in robots. Yeah, I'm all the way down to uh, he, Terry he, Bradshaw's broken arm bot, <laughs> and I still don't see him. I no, feel like he, like, build, he, he doesn't I, no, be built above I, Terry I'm Bradshaw. I'm looking at his filmography. It is not him. It's not it him. not him. Okay. Because, like... You, in fact, know nothing from Tom. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Actually, I'm now down to Randy Jackson as wristwatch number two. <laughs> I mean, you Still gotta, no you gotta start somewhere. <laughs> You're wristwatch number two. No, it's so basically, it's like a remix soundtrack by John Powell, no, but I, it's a I, remix of I the song Underground you're... by Tom Waits. Is it? So it is, there is Tom, Tom Waits, is, it is a song by Tom Waits that's put in robots. Okay. Wait, is. Is this uh, so you, stop motion or is this animated? It's just animated. Okay, yeah. yeah. I found a Reddit thread entitled, Why Did Tom Waits License a Song to Robots? <laughs> 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 People are like, why did he do this? <laughs> He's apparently very protective of his IP and doesn't usually license out his music. 
So everybody's very curious why he gave it to the 2005 <laughs> animated motion picture robots. DreamWorks. A fair question. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> we're, we're asking the real stuff here. What Tom's like, ah, the robots, cool, I like robots. It's really hard to do his voice for a sustained period of time. That's why he's so good. He yeah. just is that. Yeah. I watched um, Licorice Pizza a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, which I've seen before. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movie. And the Tom Waits part where he just stumbles into a restaurant drunk. He's like, all right, roll camera B. Roll camera B. All right. And I'm, I can't even do it. I'm like literally emitting bile from my throat as I attempt to, to do the voice. Yeah. Um, that is how this movie starts. Yes, it does start with, <laughs> I can't remember what he's saying about yeah. something about the, the being at night on Earth, I believe. So, you're lis- so late, folks in the audience, you're listening to this episode after um, we've already released Help Me. Help me. Yeah, the last two episodes you listened to were Mermaids and Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. So, which so thank you for by the way for listening to Mermaids, a movie that doesn't. It, I mean, it has a mermaid in it. Yeah, kinda. it it has a person <laughs> dressed as a mermaid, as as we talked about. But it is not indeed about Winona Ryder transforming into yes. a mermaid. <laughs> Something which I was deeply disappointed. You were under this impression when you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We talked I, about. it I last must confess, I went into Mermaids, like we said, knowing nothing about the movie, and I truly did actually think it might be about a mermaid. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah. very quick, I was like, okay, this is not what this well, movie is about. No, Jeff, Jeff. Instead, I was delighted by it being a, a kind of a lovely family. No, um, see, when I saw the title Mermaids, I thought, oh, this must be a sequel to mermaid it's <laughs> a okay. sequel where there's a, when there's like hundreds of them <laughs> no it, like it's the james cameron thing of like alien and aliens like it starts with one mermaid and then they come back to the ocean and they find thousands of them have come back no it was the um it, like much like the james cameron thing except they went into the the studio mm-hmm. and you got share up at the board mm-hmm. and she writes mermaid and they, all the studio execs are looking very respectfully she writes the s <laughs> she puts the dollar signs through it and everyone, they all after lose the, their shit after the dollar <laughs> sign. Thing. Yes. That that is the the uh, the apocryphal story of how James Cameron pitched Aliens. He he claims that that actually happened. Um, Are you serious? Yes, that is how that is his story of how he pitched Aliens. Is he wrote Alien on the board, put an S, and then put a dollar sign through it. Where are the witnesses? <laughs> um, I, I need peer review. Yeah, I, I choose to believe it because I think right. that's funny as hell. That's great. <laughs> um, but anyway, we mentioned all this last week. We just thank you for listening. Yeah. But now we're kind of going into a different direction. You know, yes. we, this we're, this is our first. This is a big shift in Winona's career. Yeah. The beginnings of it. We're still, this is still like, this is the end of what we're considering like Winona's first era. And I think it's an appropriate end. Because she takes a two-year break after this movie. Yeah. And comes back reestablished as a, like, adult actor. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes. Directed by... She takes a very uh, deliberate two-year break after this. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Coppola did... um, Yes. uh, Dracula. Wait, two-year break after... Night on Earth. Night on Earth. Okay. Yeah. Because basically, as as we know, I've been reading the Winona Ryder biography as we go through these movies and kind of, you know, matching to the time periods... So this movie comes about after she finishes Mermaids and Edward Scissorhands and finishes the ill-fated run of not being in The Godfather 3. Um, oh, man. Which I'm kind of, you know, I talked a little bit on Mermaids about it, but I'm more or less going to leave the bulk of that story until we get to Bram Stoker's Dracula because it just makes more sense. It's yeah, a Coppola yeah. movie. Right, right, right. Um, but basically after, you know, she's deeply sick during the entire production of Mermaids. Um, yeah, just very ill, very exhausted, mm. um, overworked. Um, 
and she, you know, basically collapses filming Godfather three, um, and has to return to the U S and just can't make the movie. Um, after, you know, a bit of rest, she comes and films Edward Scissorhands, even though that came out earlier. And then it's just like, all right, I'm going to, I'm done playing like rebellious teenagers. I'm done with that era. I'm done being like the it girl. I want to pursue like more dramatic, interesting work. Yeah. And so who can I start? Like, where do I reestablish? I told her agents, no more rebellious teen roles. Um, only send me stuff that's like serious, respectable, like adult actor work. And one of her friends, um, whose name I forget, was like, it was not someone notable, was like, you should reach out to Jim Jarmusch. He's putting together a movie. Um, he might be interested in having you in it. And she's like, well, is, that's weird if I cold call a director, but I'm just going to reach out to him and see what happens. A lunch date spawned out of it. They met up, and Jarmusch was like, yeah, I think you'd be great for this like anthology film I'm putting together. It'll only be like two weeks of work. And she's like, all right, I'm in. What's the role? Um, what's the role? And he's like, well, I actually wrote it for a guy, but I'll rewrite it for you if you're interested. And she says yes. And that's kind of, that's basically the story of how she gets into Night on Earth. Is it's like the first role where she's like, I'm only pursuing adult work um, with interesting directors. Mm-hmm. Even though at the end of the day, she does basically end up playing a rebellious team. I was going to say, <laughs> like, yeah, to okay. where the other shoe drops is like, yeah. you know, what's the role? It's like you're a rebellious cab driver. Yeah. A young adult. She does basically end up playing a like um it's it's at least like I guess to her a slightly more interesting director in a more adult movie. Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of a kind of a pinky toe in her promise to herself of not playing rebellious teens anymore. Yeah, sure. I the content too yeah. really lends itself to that sentiment that yeah. she's trying to take the agency as yes. an actor. And this character totally is doing it. He's like, I got this stuff set up for me. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting, though, that that is the one. I did not know that. Yeah. That she makes that decision to. Because to and build off of what Will's saying. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Like the whole point of this character is like she's being told like, hey, there's this easy path for you that we can lay on. She's like, no, I'm going to do my own thing. This thing that I want to do and just pursue that. Even if it's not as glitz and glamoury, it's, it's what I'm going to do. And I believe it will you know serve me well and I'll stay the course. Well, and and also to your point, Will, when you mentioned like it's also reflect a, a reflection of the content that she's taking. This is an anthology film, and she's never done an anthology film before. Right. She's in the first like of the five stories are being told. She's in the first one, which I think I think they're all like roughly about what like twenty thirty minutes 20, a pop. 30, yes, yeah. So she's in, and I bet you like is she? I don't know if there is like a true like billing of this movie, but she, I imagine she's probably top billed. Oh yeah, yeah, she is. Yes. Yeah, so uh, and that I think takes at least in my personal opinion an adult mature decision to be like, you know what, I'm gonna take a movie where I'm in the first twenty minutes and then I'm not in it. Yeah, and like, and it's not even it's not even that I like you know the spirit of my character remains or whatever you know like a Mahershala Ali Moonlight situation. No, 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 no. It's not like that. It's that I just have one story to tell and oh. then after that it's done. And I think that's that takes a different mindset of decision making as an actor. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Especially for an anthology film cuz you're setting the tone for the whole film. Yeah. Even though like you said it's not that situation where your spirit's alive, but Right. Um I was you feel that as that setup of like the cab driver and the passenger um and the driver has the power in that situation. Yeah. Right. 
And yeah, and and so I we we covered a movie. Um, some, twenty bucks. Well, I was uh, twenty bucks. The obvious one. Triple to didn't do an anthology. I don't think. I think he did. Uh, no, I don't think he did. Sorry, the seventy right. movies we covered. I'm, yeah, the, I'm, the, I'm going through the roll. All of the decks. various Travoltas. <laughs> yeah, I'm going through the Rolodex, and I'm failing to find a anthology movie there. That's fantastic. Yeah, but but Never the obvious an one. I should do an anthology film. The obvious one for Fraser is twenty bucks. Yeah. Um, which but just. Real quick for the audience. Twenty you know. bucks, the most film school premise of yes. a movie to ever exist. The most film school. What I mean, if we track a twenty dollar bill over the course of a week and yeah. see who it goes to? Have, have you seen Twenty Bucks? Will? I have not. Yeah, literally I mean, what Jeff said. I, just, said. I don't like hate it. It's like a fine. It's like an okay it's movie. It's an okay movie. It's a it's a soft. What would we give it? A six out of ten. I think it was like a. I think it was like a gentleman six. A gentleman six out of ten. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. But um. It, but you know, and that one's a little bit different because it's not like five separate like pieces. Yeah. It's like there's through lines that we return to certain storylines. Yeah. We get resolutions to some people's stories, all these things. Whereas this is just this like is essentially five short films. This is with five the same films. premise. Yeah, yeah, really is. Which it's like Jarmusch. I'm trying. I found an article um, about like the production of this movie, so I'm just kind of skimming it right now. Um, but I really. I like the idea here is that it, this is not trying to be anything more than it is. Um, if that makes sense. Like this isn't trying to be some grand piece about like the interconnectedness of humanity. It's five stories about cab drivers set over the course of one night. Um, some are humorous, some are a bit more serious, but it's just about the weird things that happen during a night on earth. All over the world. All over the world. Yes. And like there is that like very subtle subtext of like, well, everybody's going through the same kind of stuff, but it's never, you know, made textual. It's just like you're supposed to just kind of get that off the picture. Mm-hmm. The movie's not trying to be a big, you know, um, what's the word? Like a theme, thematic piece. Right. It's not in your face yeah. text. It's like very, very deeply embedded in the subtext of it. But uh, real quick, Jeff, did you like this movie? I did like this movie. Did you like this movie? I did. I also like this movie. And I think I like it because like you watch it not so much you're looking for something necessarily to yeah this is a vibes movie yeah this is totally it's a vibes movie and it's like one of those movies about those encounters you have yeah with a person you who you will never see again that kind of stick with you yeah like we all have those stories of like yeah i ran into this guy at a bar and he helped me out or yeah, I was talking to this guy on the street, and we had a really nice conversation, and then you'll never see them again. Yeah. We all have those stories, and this movie kind of plays off of that, the fun of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's people a great... In, people in motion. It's a great vibes movie to watch when you're like, you know, well, we're recording this, and we're having like a Siberia moment in Chicago right now, where it's currently negative seven degrees outside. <laughs> feels uh, like negative 20. Feels like negative 20. Uh, this is a perfect movie to watch, like, on a very, very, very cold night when you have nothing to do yeah. but... I was just at midnight last night. Oh, that oh, was... Oh, I, I, feel like, I feel like I was the only person oh, in the world. You're right? I felt like it was me and the two people in the cab, and what? no one else was alive. De- no, dead ass, though, to that point. Yeah. If there's any best time to watch this movie, it's in the middle of yeah. the night. Absolutely. Yes. There, Definitely a night movie. There's a really fun, like, genre of movies that this would fit into, where it is, like, the, the late-at-night movie. Mm-hmm. Where so much of the like experience of watching the movie is like you feel like you're the only person awake in the world right now yeah. watching this movie. Yeah, like I, eyes wide shut. Huge. Yeah. Like I, watching eyes wide shut like 
2 p.m. Like, the lights <laughs> on. No, it doesn't <laughs> like, work. Doesn't hit. You have cars like, in the background no, on your quite, street. It doesn't like, hit. But when you're like, when you feel like you're Tom Cruise in that movie, it's just like you're the only person who's awake right now, except for the cultists, and it like it works on you. Yeah. Yes. Or like Absolutely. you know most horror movies, Halloween. Yeah. These are all movies that work on you in that way, and yeah. just not in the same way in the middle of the day. And this yeah. is an excellent example of it. Absolutely. Yeah. What yeah. if you're seeing it in the theater in the middle of the day? Does I think I think feel, that's fine. That's fine. I just feel, yes, that I, that I, experience of being in like a completely darkened area with yeah. only you in the movie. I think movie theaters kind of get like carte blanche for any time of the day. They like do. you can see any movie any time of the day in a movie theater because the conditions are optimal. Yes. Yeah. It's not unless like Beyonce is playing in the theater next to you and you're trying <laughs> to watch a, a retrospective um animated uh, motion picture by an 82 year old grand artist it's like you imagine watching this with, <laughs> in case you're curious this happened exactly to me you imagine like watching this and then theater next door is playing avengers end games so you're just seeing like a cab driver in the background you're no i went to go see the boy in the heron uh hayao Miyazaki's new yes. movie yeah it's like a lovely quiet like introspective movie and the whole fucking time, the theater, the screen is literally shaking From Renaissance. as Beyonce <laughs> in the theater next door to me. Um, yeah. It was crazy. Oh. I kept seeing all those jokes by people being like, yeah, me trying to watch uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, Taylor Swift playing the story. It actually happened to me. That was something <laughs> wow. I was worried about when I went yeah. to see Killers. <laughs> that was it Eras tour playing next door? It was. Wow. Uh, but it was fine. It, the, the, the cultists th- weren't dancing like, you know, Midsummer. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, no. but Swifties, like, you no, can't I, so- see that video and no, not, like, I, you know, I, think. I will rescind names, but I do have, we do have a coworker who truly believes that Taylor Swift has satanic messages embedded into her movie, and that it was actually inspiring people um, to do satanic acts. All the, um, well, we gotta talk off mic. We'll talk off <laughs> mic about this, but this is a real thing. I have I, not heard this. Uh, <laughs> I also saw the Eras movie, and I did not get well, any you not, Are you not satanic I, yet? No. Or I'm just covering my ass right now. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're the co-worker. There's definitely no sat- satanic message in uh, Eras tour. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> so, a little about this movie, um, which is called Night on Earth now, but was not always called Night on Earth. This movie was originally made under the extremely marketable and normal title um, <clears throat> Los Angeles, New York, Paris, um, <laughs> Paris, Rome, Helsinki. <laughs> that was the full name of the movie. Um, and George was like, yeah, we can put this out in the theater. <laughs> well, and like, everyone's like, you cannot put that movie out in the theater. People will be it would, choking left and right yeah, trying to say it. The words would not fit no. on, on all like lower the case. fucking banister. Yeah. It's supposed to be all lowercase too, wasn't it? Like all yeah. one word. Yeah. But like also Night on Earth, I'm thinking like, why don't you just call like the cab or like taxi or something like that? Like, I don't know. Like, because I also think like Night on Earth, it's like it's so broad enough that like it could mean almost any type of anthology story structure but it's all in a cab mm. so but they don't incorporate that into the title whatsoever it's it's definitely a decision that they made of like we're not going to title this after the fact that it's all taking place in a cab we're not going to do that but i don't know why maybe they're like we don't want to make put it hand over fist that yeah. all five of these stories are in a cab mm-hmm. i don't know mm, yeah uh, so, Night on Earth is a much better title than. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think we can all agree. Positive. Yeah. What they were gonna do. Yeah. Um, I'm not. Is I'm, there anything in her biography about this step, like Night on Earth, or? 
Um, I'm lo- I'm reading this New York Times article from 1994, 1996, um, about the production of this movie. Mm-hmm. Just kind of, um, which I hadn't found prior, but it's just some of the fun, you know, tools that had to go into making it. Um, this movie ultra low budget, oh, which yeah. is cool oh, yeah. by the fact that like it does film in all five of these cities. Yeah, it's not like they just you know faked New York or you know L.A. or anything. Mm-hmm. The money that this movie did raise for with its you know very tiny budget, um, all went into just like travel costs for like the small crew that made the movie that has small footprint. Yes, clearly, yeah. extremely small. They basically it sounds like the the entire crew was just like a tow vehicle. They had two cars, and then like um, few camera guys, a gaffer, and Jarmusch, and the actors. Wow. They didn't have lockups. They didn't lock up the roads. Yeah, they oh, just yeah. towed the car through live traffic and just mm-hmm. uh, just did it. And there's some stunts. They they had some stunt people. Yeah, there's them. a few little stunts. Yeah, there, well, I only know that because there's no, one they actually particular... killed those people. <laughs> well, there's a there's interest there's an interesting stunt story that we'll get to when we get to it, mm-hmm. but um, it's in the Rome bit, but we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, I I like the indie nature of this movie too, but there's one bit in the Rome piece where the guy who's wearing sunglasses, you can see a reflection of a yeah. of a yeah, yeah yeah you can see a reflection of like a silk frame yeah that they've like obviously rigged on the tow rig or whatever like you can so it's further it sounds like their lighting setup I think this is very fun is that this is one of the earlier movies that use like they essentially had you know it's like Instacart rap, right? he didn't want you know, continuous light sources. Mm-hmm. So they rigged up dimmer board to the tow vehicle and then just like had lights essentially on the tow vehicle oh. that would flicker for the passing street lamps and whatever they needed. Inside. I didn't know about that. Like they did it, that it was like a they essentially didn't board. light the inside the car. They only lit the outside of the car oh. to kind of, it to, you know, create that sense of authenticity. I like that. That's so cool. Which is really fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And that's where, you know, so much I find fascinating in this movie is, sensibly, when you make a two-hour movie, two-hour and eight-minute movie, set inside of a taxi cab, even if it is five taxi cabs, at the end of the day, that's two hours in, a, in like, the same environment. Yeah. You're not really mixing it up. You can, you know, you can look through the front windshield, you can look through the side windshield. That's basically all you got. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Jarmusch continually finds new ways to make this taxi cab feel as large as the biggest set ever constructed. Yeah. This movie, as small and focused as it is, feels bigger than half of the blockbusters that are made nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like, if you understand the entire world that these characters live in, and you understand all of their struggles, you understand the world outside of the taxi cab that they all hail from. Yeah. Hail from. I, I thought that was a good joke. That's good. Um, <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's really but good. You, and you even more so understand, like, the entire environment. Like, this feels like, you know, there's power dynamics being played with inside of the car. Um, there's these like um, emotional weights that are just transitioning between the front and the back seat. Mm-hmm. Um, I oh, just yeah. I just think that there's so much fun, smart filmography or filmmaking going on here to make this essentially very small movie feel as big as like um, a superhero movie. Yeah, and so much of that goes down to Jarmusch. It goes down to his his crew. Um, but even more so, I think it goes down to the performances. Yeah, all the actors, um, many of them, you know, fairly Killing notable. It. Yes, Giancarlo Esposito. Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah. Um, Helmut 
Helmut. <laughs> who is yes. played by an actual guy named Helmut. <laughs> I guess they were just like, can't beat that. <laughs> well, some of these guys, you know, like I, I, I don't know many of them. Like besides Winona Ryder, um, many of these actors are not really well known, at least yeah. from what I understand, even from the time period. And it, so it, well, each section okay. basically is like one notable person. Yeah. Except for Helsinki. Well, no, Re- Rosie Perez, she... Who's, was she in the... Uh, yeah. Which her, bit is her she and in? Giancarlo Esposito, she's in the back. She's the she's sister-in-law. She's Parisian? The, oh, no, 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 no. no sis, sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sister, sister-in-law for, in New York. For, she has weirdly just been nominated for an Oscar when she does this. Rosie Perez? Yeah. Oh, she's wow, just been nominated great. for Fearless, and then she kind of does like this... Not actually, no, Fearless is after this. My apologies. Okay, this is very early for because this career. is coming off of Do the Right Thing. Yes, this is right after is, Do the Right Thing was totally slept on, you know, yeah. as a probably the best movie of that year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, they're they're they'll they're big at this time, yeah, I think, yeah. Um, everybody just felt so real to me, they they did feel extremely authentic, yeah. Um, Helsinki and, and uh. Helsinki is the only one where none. I mean, these guys are all—they're all actual Finnish actors. Oh yeah. So yeah. you gotta you give them the credit for that. Yes. But they aren't like you know Roberto Benigni is you know known outside of Italy. Um, Giancarlo Esposito, Rosie Perez, Winona Ryder, Gina Rowlands—these are all you know, notable people. Mm-hmm. So you have to pass that along. Yeah. Have you guys seen Locke? No. The, the Tom Hardy movie? I have not seen it. Okay. I, it's all in the car. So yeah, it's a 90-minute movie of Tom Hardy in a car um, driving uh, to the hospital to, like, uh, where his wife, I believe, is. It's been a few years since I've seen it. Um, but basically, it's similar to this movie. It's such a big movie that's so contained. He's, like, only on a highway the entire movie. He never gets off the highway. It's not like he's, like, driving down crazy roads and you're getting all these establishing shots. You were only inside the car with Tom Hardy. All 90 minutes. All 90 minutes. As he drives to the hospital and tries to like keep keep his life from falling apart on his ninety minute drive, is he doing this by cell phone calls? Yeah, just okay. all cell phone calls. You never cut away to someone. Right. You never see them. It's like Tom Holland is voicing his son. There's like some notable names on the other end of the phone line, but it's just like Tom Hardy just like on the phone. He's like, "I'm gonna gonna call my wife." And he calls his wife and is like um, talking about like all the drama that's going on in their family and keeping you know. He's on the verge of a divorce and everything's about to collapse. Then he has to hang up, call his business manufacturer because they've lost 20,000 pounds of concrete. He's got to get the concrete there and he can't get to the place with the concrete. So like so much of this movie is about concrete. It's crazy, but also it's great. Like there's this monologue which just goes right into Tom Hardy's face and he's like, my concrete will build emblems to the sky and towers that tower over the likes of men lesser than me. And he's like talking about like his concrete concrete is going to raise up the world and he will be above everyone else on his concrete pedestals. Okay. You should watch this movie. It's crazy. You've sold me. Yeah. Um, And it it is really impressive what Tom Hardy is able to do in transfixing you for that length of time. Mm Mm-hmm. I would have thought we would have gotten more movies like that in like the COVID era. I kind of think you, there's only so much you can, only so many times you can do the guy in car movie. Or just like in a room or in an office or I don't know. Well, Stuart, you're disrespecting Locked Down, everyone's favorite 2021 Doug Lyman motion picture, Locked Down. Yeah. A movie he filmed in quarantine and you can tell. Yeah, <laughs> can definitely tell. Uh, is there any more pre? I mean, about 
we've kind of we kind of yeah, I think we kind of bounced around a bit between it all. Yeah, but um, I think we can just start talking about the the vignettes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the first ones. Uh, yeah, Winona Ryder. You jump right in with uh, Winona and, and Gina Rollins. Gina Rollins, yeah, in a taxi cab I leaving LAX. I believe it's Jenna. Is it Jenna? Yes. Okay. Jenna. I, I had this discussion when I was watching this movie to try and figure this out. I'm going, I believe it's Jenna Rollins. I'm going to the Wikipedia where they got the yeah. Let's settle this. Um, where they got the little like the talker. They do not have the talker, but they do have this utterly in- incomprehensible. <laughs> <laughs> like the hell is that? Like, that's a zing. Like, like I'm guessing that that's supposed to be Jen. I think that is Jenna. Jen. Like because it's if it's an upside down three, I thought the upside down e is the eh e, so it yeah. would be Jenna. But now they've inserted a number backwards. <laughs> yeah, and I am very confused. I'm guessing that the D, the D is a D, the three I think is supposed to be a, a J, like Jenna. Okay, like I think that's the idea here. Good. Um, Godspeed to whoever <laughs> writes these Wikipedia pronunciations. Like, yeah. They just have a different keyboard. There is no one I have more respect for than the Wikipedia editors. <laughs> like those guys are out there grinding twenty four seven, for free, yes. <laughs> just playing goalie, yeah. batting stuff away, <laughs> just knocking out <laughs> shit that doesn't exist. <laughs> knocking out guys who are going on to like the Ben uh, Affleck page. They and changed saying, it to Gina again. <laughs> <laughs> they fucked around. Um, but no, we uh, first thing we see is Winona as a cab driver. Uh, she's like a chain smoking, like tough as nails mechanic, me- want to be mechanic, yeah. currently cab driver. And, and there's quirky. Yeah. And the first thing I think about this, and she does kind of prove me wrong, is I'm like, this has big, um, like film school, like young person playing older energy is the first thing I think here. Yeah. Mm. Where I'm just like, oh, she's supposed to be playing like an older character, and but they just cast her. Yeah. Like, you know, when you're in film school and there's like the, it's like the 40 year old dad, but like 23 year old acting suitor yeah, walks right. in <laughs> like, um, with a yeah. sweater vest and yeah. glasses. Yeah. He's like, all right, son. <laughs> <laughs> um, on, on, yeah. And she, she was giving me that. And then increasingly I started realizing like, oh, that's kind of the point here is that we're playing with this expectation that she's not what you'd expect. Um, yeah. Like you're, you're fast talking cabbie to be. And that's part of the joke is that she really doesn't fit the mold, but she's decided this is what I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, like the path is even laid out for her to become an actress later. And she's like, no, nah, I'm just going to keep doing this. And Jenna. So as this, this is picking up with uh, Winona Ryder's quirky is quirky. Yes. Yeah. Not to be confused with dinky who yeah. she recently played in. <laughs> uh, Not to be confused with dinky. Yeah. She's uh, just part her cab after a fair, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. She just drops some folks off and she gets on the phone to talk. Yeah. She parks outside of LAX and she goes inside yeah. to use the payphone. Yeah. And then uh Jenna Rollins. Uh, Gina. Or Gina. Yeah, we we, no, fucking, we decided. Oh, did we? Jenna. Oh, I oh my it was God. Jenna. So, yeah, I'm sorry. The Wikipedia police are. Yeah, they are on their way. <laughs> Freeze. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to arrest me. <laughs> Haul me out. Uh, <laughs> Throw me to the dogs. <laughs> So Jenna is getting off a plane, uh, and she's on yes. the phone with some guy Sinclair. Sinclair, this guy named Sinclair, and <laughs> it was like the fucking fanciest ass. The, the dialogue, Sinclair. the dialogue gives us that she is like a casting agent, and she's yes. just been 
coming back from auditioning a number of different girls and women uh, for a part in a movie. Yeah. Uh, who know and they can't find the actress. Right, cuz the director is very picky, wants someone specific, mostly just younger, but then that they're not going to be experienced. The director is very picky and they keep changing the role. Yeah. Is now they're like she said young and innocent but with the strength of a paratrooper. Mm-hmm. Is the exact description for this character. Yeah. Um and the casting is just like we can't find anyone. I'll just have to keep looking. Yeah. So she, you know, gets her bag at the at baggage claim, makes her way to the front, and sees a cab. Yeah, well, they get off the phone at, like, the exact same time. I mean, they have one of those, like, it's Kind of like a twist of fate meeting, yeah. almost. Um, she's like, you need a ride? I'm like, yeah. It's like, all right, well, come with me. And so then Winona helps get her bags in the car. Yeah. And what I like immediately is, um, I don't know, I, I've seen a lot of movies where in, like, the it's not like in particular cabbie nature but in other fish out of water like meet, meeting each other kind of yeah that sort of like disagreement in their behaviors yeah whereas like jenna almost is kind of more like whenever she's like on the phone and winona's like playing loud music or smoking too much you know it's kind of more like more of a studying way it's like hey like you know you you smoke a little too much or mm-hmm. whatever i don't know i like that it didn't go straight to like the karen uh, yeah crankiness of it it's the beginning is like there is a kind of culture clash. Yeah. But it's not it's never malicious. Like Yeah. Corky is never trying to upset Jenna. Corky is just living her life the way she wants to live it. And and Jenna's not like disapproving of Corky's yeah. lifestyle either. Yeah, that's she's a bit, just, Yeah, because she's they, more like studying it. Because they get in the car and each sec each section of this movie is like roughly twenty to twenty five minutes. Some are longer than others. Yeah. Um, New York, I think, is the longest, probably. Yeah, I would say so. Um, um, so, oh, that's, that's funny. Um, just looking at the model of the car. Um, it's a Caprice. Yeah. I did love how the car, it was, like, so beat yeah. to shit. I like, almost couldn't tell it was a cab. No, right. Yeah. Because it is, like, so matted and faded. Um, yeah. But they, yeah, I... Kudos to them for they they really made the production value stretch in that small yeah. space. Exactly. And I think that, that just adds a lot to the character of Corky, too. Is it's her because, cab. Yeah, because like... She doesn't on, have a stereo in her car. She has a stereo in her yeah, front Yeah, she has seat. like a, a boombox. And, you know, so inherently you'd think like, you know, older cab is like with an older cabbie. But I like that right. it's with the young cabbie. Mm-hmm. Because it starts, you know, you start pondering the questions of like, well, how does she have this car? It's like, this is probably the best one she could afford. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the best one she could pay the rent for. Mm-hmm. Like, she can't do the fancier caps. Right. This is just what she has to live with. But she's content with that, and she has found her own systems to make everything work. She has the boom box. She has all her stuff in the center console. She has the cigarettes, like, on the the, wind, the sun visor. And that's the thematic motif that gets duplicated throughout multiple segments is cabbie lighting cigarettes yeah. for their... Yes, all yeah. of them, like, have the, the almost, cigarette light. Almost every single one. I think except for the New York. And I don't think... Because I don't think they smoke cigarettes in the New York one. I think... Maybe Giancarlo right. does, but I don't think Helmut does. Helmut. Helmut. He does. He yeah, does? I don't think he does. I don't think he does. I think, I he does yeah, I think New York's the only one. And then Helsinki, I know they do. Helmut. Uh, Helmut. Pretty good. Um, um, it's like calling a lampshade. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good bit. Um, and so uh, that's just like a, a thematic motif throughout. Like it's what I like about that particular motif, just to spend an extra 30 seconds talking about it, is 
we don't have that really anymore. Yeah, it's not you get in an Uber and you're and like, you, light me no. up, chief. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, it was interesting. I, last night, the last movie I watched for going to bed last night was Mother. And uh, crazy thing to do. At. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I was just, in, I was just in the mood, uh, you know, religious existentialism. And, uh, when, uh, fucking first guy that shows up in the place, not Pete Weir, but, uh, Ed Harris, Ed Harris. I don't know why I keep getting him and they don't even look alike. Yeah. I don't know. Ed Harris, he lights a cigarette and Jennifer Lawrence like, Hey, you know, yeah. can you please take that outside? And that he duplicates that throughout the movie of him yeah. lighting cigarettes, like, oh, don't worry, I'm gonna go outside. You know, like we just don't have like in today's modern 2024 world, like smoking is very much just like it's not a it's not a thing. It's not a thing to do. Like it's like really you at all. Encounter it outside the front door, maybe. Yeah, that's like all where you see like cigarettes, and this mm -hmm. is definitely like a time capsule piece of like yeah, like it's very common. Like a major social. Yeah. Source of social interaction. Yeah, yeah. Like a source of bonding. Yeah, we don't just send... Now we just send Instagram yeah. and TikToks to everybody. And back then it C was like... Cigarette smokers are our last true socialists in the world. Yeah. <laughs> they all contribute to the the, the, com the collective pot of passing cigarettes yes. under the promise that one day and one will lighters. be passed to yes. them. Exactly. Yeah, and sharing lighters and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our it's, last true it's socialists. It's a very, like... It's a very time capsule-y thing that... I think is intentional that like, yeah, like it's an unspoken rule. Like, you know, you get in your cabbie lights up and if you're trying to light up, like, you know, mm -hmm. you can probably bum one maybe from your cabbie or give your cabbie one and share a lighter. I don't know. There's just a little thing in there. That's it's duplicated often enough that it was definitely intentional. Um, and I like that for this first section because we're known as just chain smoking. And I like that after Gina Rollins gets off her first phone call, she, she Pulls out a cigarette. And it's like, <laughs> that's the moment of like, they're starting to understand each other. Yeah. It's like Gina's absolutely. like, or Jenna is revealing like, I'm not as uptight as I seem to be. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Nowadays, you, you don't get yeah. those scenes nowadays. I'm, nowadays, it'd be like, I take a hit from my vape in the front seat and be like, yo, can I get a hit of that? And I pass my vape <laughs> to the guy in the back seat. I like Can't all those, those memes of the Doctor Who guy going like this. And it's like white people asking for your vape. Be like, laughing <laughs> 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 uh, a bit too hard at that joke. <laughs> uh, nicotine addict you're talking so, um, Oh, my God. Anyway. That's good. That's good. <laughs> um, but um, it's like the reveal that, you know, Jenna's not as uptight as Winona previously thought. And that Winona's not as... Um, like distant as yeah. she thought because she's very you know interested in what jenna's doing with her life yeah and she's like so tell me about this this business you're working in yeah and they just kind of talk for a bit about like the process of casting and you know working in movies yeah um and what you know winona corky wants to do with her life which is just she wants to be a mechanic yep she wants to drive cabs until she has enough money to become a mechanic and that is it that is what she dreams of she wants to eventually have a family but that's down the line, and she first has to find the guy who's right for it. And she doesn't have any aspirations about this guy besides the fact that he also wants a family and will support her in this. Yeah. And I just like this kind of celebration of this very, like, just normal person. It was a just very simple goal. Normal, down-to-earth, yeah. simple life. Yeah. So many of so many people, like, have big dreams. I think most people do. Um, so it's nice to just kind of celebrate this person who normally I feel like would get looked down upon by either movies or society in general is just like, I just want to be mechanically, oh, what a waste of your life. And say, like, no, this is like, this is something to celebrate as someone who just like knows yeah. what they want, is very modest about it. It's just like, yeah, that's what I am going to do. 
That yeah. is my life path, and I am happy in this. Yeah. And this, uh, the casting agent, lives in Beverly Hills. Yeah. And probably knows the power that she has to give, yeah. to bestow upon anyone. Just be yeah. like, hey, you want to be a movie star? We'll put you on this Here part. You go. And only this character of Corky is the one that can tell her, yeah, no, no. I'm... I'm doing my own thing. There's no temptation. Yeah. She doesn't even really consider it for a moment. Yeah. She's like, I don't even, I, I don't even want that. You know, yeah. I get it. I know people want it, but it's not her. Because they get to, you know, um, Jenna's Beverly Hills. I remember Jenna finally. Uh, <laughs> Jenna's Beverly Hills home. Thank God. And she officially offers Corky, like, the role in the movie. And he's like, I think you really have it. Because at the whole movie, you see her kind of realizing subtly, you know, looking at angles through the windshield. Yeah. Um, see so yeah, she plays in profile. Um, and her personality. And he's like, I want this role for you. I'll make you a movie star. You'll be the biggest thing in the world. And Corey's like, thanks, but I'm good. Yeah. Let's be a mechanic. I have to comment. I loved that she wore a full-size flashlight on her key key ring. And like a wrench. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's like a full wrench. And I loved the audio of her walking around. Yeah. Because you just, that thing was just banging around. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I get the sense Winona really enjoyed doing this out of her performance. It seems like she had a lot of fun just like kind of doing a more humorous character finally. Yeah. Um, finally in from her you know, POV. Yeah. Up and until then, this point, you guys have not seen. Yeah. She hasn't really done like that. a funny movie since um, where she is the source of humor since right. Heather's probably. Right. Yeah. And Heather's is like a very dark comedy. Yeah, dark humor. Like Edward Scissorhands, she's not really the source of comedy. Mermaids is a you know drama. Roxy Carmichael and Great Balls of Fire, she's a more dramatic character in those. And she's also not trying to be funny in yeah. this. She's just being a person. A, yes, the but hum- we're laughing at it. Yeah, how, and that's more of a comment on us as the yeah. audience. The humor is all coming out of like a natural place. Yes, it's not unnatural humor. Totally. Yeah. Um, but I, I grew to really like her little performance in this movie. It's very small. Um, and this is one of her less seen movies um, from this time. But I really like the, you know, just what she brings to this 20-minute segment of a picture. Yeah. Just, yeah, me too. She tracks this character's entire emotional arc, understands deeply who they are, gives that to the audience, gives that to her co-star. And then their section ends and we that's it. And I, and I think it's, it's important to comment that this the ending of this segment sets the tone for what the rest of the mm-hmm. segments will be because totally. it, the segment yeah. doesn't end with, and yes, I will take the role and yes, she's become famous and yeah. blah, 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 all that stuff. And then New York that it's just like, Nope, I'm good. You have a nice rest of your night. And then they drive away, probably never see each other ever again. And then New York and that's it. The, I I almost feel like we could have gone without the little transitionary music, the do yeah. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I like the. Uh, <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah. Are you making a noise with? I was mouth? making that noise. That, that was that was very good. You know, that thought? was very good. <laughs> Jeff, I think I've never heard you do this good of a trumpet before. This is good, right, Will? He's actually you're you're not playing on this. No. Okay. This is him. This is okay. All wow. him. <laughs> wow, I'm really. You can yeah. only speak in trumpet the rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's really. Have I never good. done that before? 
Well, you have, but I that can't was, whistle, but I can do that. That was really um, good. Also, for people who can't see at home, he has a ventriloquist face on when yeah. he's doing this. So you cannot <laughs> tell that this noise is emitted from his face. <laughs> from my face. <laughs> um, I do like the... I'm, I'm pro... Really? I don't know. I'm pro transition. I would have preferred no music, no sound. What is? What are you transitioning then? Are you just going to those exterior Just the clocks. I like the clocks. Oh, the clocks is I like the clocks. I don't like the cut to the five clocks to do do and then it zooms in the clock and the time readjusts back like 20, 30 minutes. And it's like... I, I could have done the clock hole animation thing <laughs> mm-hmm. without the music, just mm-hmm. silence, mm-hmm. and then we just fade into New York. I, I folks, like, I'm pro clock, pro music. Um, I'm only pro clocks. I'm not pro, pro music. Pro. I don't know. I think it'd be cool if it was just Tom Waits in a room and he yeah. would just be like, Helsinki. Helsinki. <laughs> Tom. He like crawls out of your television like the ring. He's like, <laughs> Tom, no. <laughs> Oh my God! Stop, please, <laughs> my wife. Um, so, um, God, <laughs> what? I also like the the bit that this ending establishes that is weirdly only not picked up with New York, but I think that there's a thematic reason why. Is that every section ends with the passenger being left at their destination? Like the taxi drives away, and we're with the passenger at the end of each section. Yeah. Except yeah. for New York, but oh, I think that's basically because the roles reverse. Wait, that he becomes the passenger. Yeah, that's a good point. No, it drives a, the. Oh, because, right, because Helmet is the cab driver, but he was being driven to Giancarlo's. Yeah, but it doesn't drive away. I thought it drives away. It like scoots away. It dri- It does because like basically this one ends with Jenna Rawlings walking into her house and Winona drives away but we end with Jenna um Paris ends with the uh the, the blind, blind woman girl. walking away that's right seeing the accident. Rome ends with the body on the bench yes. and Helsinki ends with the uh the dude just yeah. sitting yeah. on the crab yeah on the that's curb. the end of the yeah but New York which we're coming to next yes. is the only one that ends in the cab but it's because of the role reversal the I ro- think that's um, very good I didn't even it, think about yeah. that yeah. that is but I, I want to talk about let's talk about New York Great. Uh, because we're with Helmut, who is played by. Um, Say it, do it. Oh, his name is actually I. His name is actually Armin Müller Stahl. Armin Müller Stahl. That is some dynamite uh, pronunciation. Thank you. Uh, I, I recently looked this man up because he was in an episode, uh, or he was in the movie The Game. David Fincher is the game. Hmm. Uh, which, if you've ever seen The Game, I, is such a fucking good. Movie. It's so good. Yeah, Stuart, no. have you ever seen the game? No. You know the no. pitch of the it's, game? What's the game? You know those like full light, you know those like things you can send where it's like a life game that you'll play where you're a spy and like all around the <clears> city <throat> you have to like play this game. Um, have you ever like seen ads for those? No. It's basically like the concept is like a full city with like wide escape room idea. Oh, it's like okay. you're going to play a game within the world and we're going to like hide yeah. envelopes around and you have yes. to find them and you're like the spy who's uncovering this conspiracy. Okay. And it's like you're just kind of playing in a real cityscape with real people. Gotcha. But like, okay. you know, yeah, they're, they've they, kind they've of led, they've led these clues. It's like Michael Douglas gets embroiled in one of these that turns out to be so much more sinister than he could possibly yeah. have unveiled and starts losing a grip on his life and reality. As yeah. he's <laughs> being sucked into this game that he does not want to be playing. It's so fucking good. That's great. Um, 
Yeah. Oh, that to the list. And this is where it's like grabbing people and he's like, are you part of the game? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. so back to Helmut. Yes, Helmut. Uh, who's an immigrant Helmut. from East Germany. Yes. Um, a former clown. <laughs> Which, uh, uh, important to say, the yeah. pe- time period of this being yes. 1991. Right after the wall has fallen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I... I found this story, like, it's really funny, I think, until the last second where it suddenly becomes this really sad yeah. tale yeah. Yeah. about this guy whose life was entirely ripped away from him in a country he doesn't know anymore, mm-hmm. and it's just lost. Yes. Um, but at the beginning, this is all play for last, because, oh, no, we actually start with start with Giancarlo, Giancarlo. Right. who is um, trying to get to the, his name is Yo-Yo, he's trying to get to the, trying to get to Brooklyn. I keep wanting to say the Bronx. There's a, there's a great- Whenever you say New York, I just want to say the Bronx. <laughs> Why? Well, Stuart. So no, no. You, you open <laughs> so, that door. No. no. So the thing about <laughs> Yo-Yo is that he he knows that there are five boroughs, <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he needs to get from Manhattan to Brooklyn. Which, as we know, there are Queens, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Staten Island, the Bronx. Huh? That's a fist. <laughs> We're now officially censoring uh, any guy he references on this show. Um, but no, he's trying to get from one borough to the other. <laughs> Why'd you do this? <laughs> you listed a, one borough and Jeff puts out his thumb to the other with his pinky. Yeah. Hang do, loose. Folks uh. in the car listen to this. Do that hand gesture. <laughs> yeah. The shaka. The shaka. But yeah. And what's interesting about this bit is, like you said, Jeff, there's no lockups. They're not locking up the street. Yeah. Those cars are real yes. cab cars passing him. They, and they were worried that like one was going to stop. For one John was going to stop for him. And oh, no, no way. And none, none, of, them none of them did. Wow. Yeah. Because like the idea is he's being racially profiled. Yeah. Like it's, it's the subtext. It's never said. But to the point where one guy rolls down his windows talks to him and still yeah, drives he's away. like yeah we're yeah. to brooklyn and he drives away yeah and just like john Carlos is like i have money i'm just trying to get home yeah and the only person who does eventually stop for him is the east german cab driver yeah who doesn't understand like american racial dynamics yeah and also doesn't know how to drive yes doesn't know how to drive car. a car <laughs> <laughs> he's like <laughs> with the car he's driving an automatic like it's a manual yes yes yeah and so he uh, he gets in this cab and immediately is like, bro, you you cannot be driving this thing. <laughs> like, you're just like, it's not safe. So he's like, I'll drive the cab like, what the hell's and going still on, pay you. And uh, Put it so- in D. Put it in D. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, D. Yes, D. Yes, D. 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 Drive, drive. <laughs> yeah. And so after like that confusion, uh, Helmut does agree to let um, Yo-Yo so drive the Don't tell anybody. Cab. Don't tell. He's like, who am I going to tell? The TLC, the taxi something yeah. commission. Uh and so uh John Carlo gets in the takes over driving the cab back to his house in, in Brooklyn. Yeah. And they have a conversation. He's like, What's your name, man? And it's Helmut. And he starts making fun of him because like that'd be like having the name Lampshade here. Yeah. And then Helmut's like, Well, what's your name? Yo yo. He's like, Oh, it's like the he's like, it's not like that. Yes. <laughs> John Carlo is really funny in it's this. It's very different. It's not like that. <laughs> the mind is the fir- but very specific. Yes. He gets very defensive about it. But they're both essentially wearing the same hat. Yeah, and he makes a comment about and that. And he keeps saying, like, same hat, same, same hat. hat. He's like, and John Carlo's like, No, diff- different different hat. hats. It's like the ears, the ears. And it's like, no, mine's the first. Mine's Yes. It oh what he says, he says, Mine's the he says a real he says a line. Where helmet? Is this a line, really? 
No, mine's uh, oh. um, I, I think it's hype or something. Yeah, mine's fresh. Oh yeah, mine's fresh. Hype. fresh. Fresh. That's yes. what he says. He's like, yeah. this is fresh, and he's like, fresh hat. Good. Good. <laughs> it, yes. Fresh means good. <laughs> Him like learning uh, American vernacular and yeah. stuff, and he's just so pleasant the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After what we can imagine what he's been through. Yeah. In right. hindsight. It's just such so fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. And so, like you, the the bit of this one is like just realizing these two people are essentially the same person. They have very similar oh. like, um, cultural identity. Yeah, because uh, he says, you know, he's from East Germany. He's like, oh, did you have to escape? It's like, no, they they let me. They just let me go. Yeah. And he doesn't have any family. He used to be a clown. He used to be a clown. He still has a little red nose. And he play. He knows how to play like the two, <laughs> yeah. you know, two flutes at the same, same time. time. It's like yeah. a funny little joke. Yeah. Um, but also just realizing like this guy had a whole life that just was ripped away from him, and now at like in his fifties or sixties, now just living in New York, doing a job he's never done before and doesn't know how to do. A place he's never been. Yeah. Language he barely can speak. As the know? Wikipedia article um, describes it, increasingly alarmed at Helmut's inability to handle an automatic transmission, ignorance <laughs> of New York geography, and feeble command of the English language. Another shout out to those <laughs> to those wiki editors. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm particularly fond of feeble command of the English <laughs> language. That's the one I'm really that's the one I'm really getting with. Um Yo-Yo takes over the wheel. Um and they they're driving. Um after this conversation and Yo-Yo notices his sister-in-law Angela on the street. Um played by Rosie Perez and forces her to get in the cab with him so he'll drive her home. And he's like, hey, "Angela, what are you doing running around at night? What are you doing?" It's like not safe around here. And you know, she gives it back to him just as good. I um, give it back to him more. So. Yes. Yes. She wins those exchanges. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, the next, it's basically just like Yo-Yo and Rosie Perez yelling at each other for like the next 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. And then well, get what and like, Helmut is smiling. He's really enjoying it. Yes. I like though is like uh, uh, Yo-Yo then says like, well, this, who's this guy? He, he used to be a clown. He does this like, you know, yeah. plane. And it kind of disarms the situation just like yeah. a little bit. And it's just kind of i like the way that you know everybody starts off with helmet being like come on dude like old man who doesn't know how yeah. to drive and speak english like and then like a short amount of time getting to know him it's like immediately you're almost like disarmed by yeah. this guy and even though uh yo-yo is the one driving it you kind of feel like safe that helmet's in the passenger yeah. seat right. with you oh that's great um that's and, and and so but then that is interesting that it it almost the roles reverse yeah, they, they flip quickly. The two. Yes, they flip them when he does drop him off, and I love the last scene because then, with the role reverse, then it becomes Helmet feels safe with Yo Yo, yeah. particularly with the cash exchange, and he's like, okay, he's like, well, we missed the very beginning. It's like you have to flip the meter. Like yeah. if you don't flip the meter, it's like you don't even know how much you're charging. And so at the very end, you know, then it's a very quiet moment where. Did they drop? They drop Rosie off like prior. Ro- Rosie or? gets no. out first, and then Yo Yo gets. They out. live in the same building. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I know at one point it ends with just them two in the car, yeah. and 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 then it's just this quiet moment where Yo Yo like turns off the meter and he's like, okay, so it's like you know, it's like so the, it says like I owe you this much. It's like so I have the cash here. And he's like, okay, thank you. And it's like no, no, no. Like dude, you got to count the cash. He's like, look at what the meter says. Is eighteen. It's like count how much I paid you. Like, 17 you gave me one short it's like yeah and i have the one dollar yeah. so he gives him the one dollar and be like it's new york man you gotta like look out yeah. for yourself and then when i i do like that um helmet is just like money i 
I don't need it. Yeah. I, it's not important to me. Yeah. I need it, but it's not important to me. Yeah. My yeah. work is important to me. Yeah. And just like he's happy and grateful to like have something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then Yo-Yo goes inside and in a traditional movie, like this would be like Helmet is now prepared to go out into the world now they've learned all these lessons because he says what now how are you are you going back home or where are you trying to get back to it's like go back to manhattan yeah. he's like okay well you just take a right on the street yeah and then make the opposite of whatever we did yeah so we made a left make yeah, a right right we right made a right make a left and so yeah he's that like, gave me right. such panic because i was like i would not be able to do that yeah. <laughs> yeah and so then helmet takes off and he's immediately lost and you're getting his pov of the roads around him and he looks very scared um and is now just and he's driving by like all these police activities and fire trucks whizzing by. Yeah. He's in a bad area at a bad time of night. And he just kind of looks petrified and scared and alone in this world. And he just mutters to himself, New York, New York. Yeah. And that's where we leave him. Like I said this on the Airbus is Ransom, but sad old man performances yeah. always do it for me. Yeah. And the end, I was just like, oh my God, this is like crushing. Yeah. This yeah. poor guy like mm-hmm. had his entire life ripped away from him came to the land of opportunity, is now stuck driving a cab in a place he doesn't know, mm-hmm. doing a job he, he is not good at. Yeah. And but that's I, just what he's got. But I think his interaction with people, yeah, with with what we saw, will m- guide him yeah. to Yeah, you want find, to believe. That's what I... Right. Yeah. I, I'm choosing to believe that. Yes. Um, I think that's the genius of the movie, is that I think we, we're all kind of hoping and thinking that. Yes. And it's amazing that we're all thinking about that about a fictional character right. in a movie. It's like, I like to think that he picked up a few other fairs yeah. of nice people who helped him out. And after a few nights of doing that, he got all... You like, got a rhythm. Yeah, you got yeah. a rhythm. Well, but all that is off-screen assumptions. Totally. Like, maybe he got carjacked and killed that same night. Like, who knows? You don't know. You don't know. But this goes back to what... Jeff said at the very beginning that this movie doesn't try to be anything more than it is. Yeah. And lets us fill in what we think, what happens with these characters. Yeah. After the scene and before the scene. And again, to go back very earlier, what you said, Jeff, how like we are, we're left with all of the passengers except for this yeah. one because of the role switch. And it is very he's a, much. He's the passenger. Because he's the. the he, that right. He's the passenger, not only in the textual sense that he was the passenger in the cab fair but he's just kind of like being you know the passenger of life he's the passenger of life he's not in the driver's seat of life yeah (laughs) Um, and we immediately follow this section up with what i think is probably the least interesting one paris oh i don't know i this was this was very peak vibes it's like a good vibe but the whole time it's like there's not really much interesting here i mean once we leave america it, it becomes more about vibes if there was one I had to lose, it would be Paris. Yes. that's. But I'm not saying I didn't enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, it's I'm like fine. If I had to. I agree with that. If yeah. there is one we have to lose, it'd be Paris. I, But yeah, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I liked it for the vibes. I think, though, in, sorry to cut you off. No. In 91, when this came out, this might be more um, what it's trying to comment on about yeah. like blindness and yeah. race. Things weren't doing that as much because like... That's where I think they're trying to. Yeah. But now in 2024, we're we're in like a post version of that movement. Yes, and and that's where like you know movies like this in this time frame have a special place because you can watch it with like you know knowing what it was like back totally. then in the 90s and being like yeah like I buy all these premises. Yes, like if you make a movie about a Lyft driver facing the same obstacles 
Yeah. You'd have a little bit of like a really like okay. It, it would feel dated. Yeah, it'd totally. Feel a little would. dated. It, it like it, or it wouldn't make sense because like Lyft is something that's indicative in Uber to our time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do think it, <clears throat> it got down to the like very like uh, what's the word I'm looking for like microscopic view of like having to differentiate African accents, mm. which is something that like where he did not feel, uh, what's the driver's name? Well, he doesn't have a name. Okay. Right. Yeah. He's just, he's unnamed taxi driver right. played by Isaac de Bangold. From the Ivory Coast. Yes. Is he's from, um, both the actor and the character are both from the Ivory Coast. Yes. But he doesn't feel that sort of connection with his first passengers. Yeah. And they're like belittling him. Um, and then obviously, I don't want to jump ahead, yeah. but you no, can, because, yeah. because it's it's just what you're saying. He is with two African diplomats in his car who are drunk. Who are supposed to understand the world. Yes. The earth. Yes. Yes. As it were. Yes. And they're to, they they're mocking him yeah. because he's from the Ivory Coast, which is like beneath them um in terms of like African country hierarchy. Yes. Have you guys seen the um Black Mirror episode season five with um Andrew Scott, the Smithereens episode where he plays a cab driver and he takes not. a guy hostage. It's, I mean, it's less about like the cab driver nature of it and, and more so about like the social media part. But part. can you draw a parallel to this movie in that episode? Uh, so, is that what you're, I mean, it's, it's, I, I guess it, it takes the same aspect of like, like passengers and, and drivers, all different people with their own like life struggles and things going on like that. Um, I'm losing my train of thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was a big... Smithereens, Andrew Scott. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it just has that cab driver nature of it that this is a guy whose life fell apart prior to it off screen. And so we're just kind of picking him up with where he's at right now. Uh, it takes it in a different like direction, more like with social media commentary on it, but still think it has like some interesting parallels with it. Totally. Because mm -hmm. he's trying to take a specific guy hostage mm. from... Uh, this big company and, and is it ends this, up being an intern. Is this one of the great Black Mirror episodes where at the end it's like cell phones? Are they bad? <laughs> basically, yeah. And you're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Ba basically, <laughs> basically, yeah. That is, that is essentially where it boils down to. Cell phones are bad. I think the whole whoever brought up passenger driver, that relationship is so interesting because we also just in terms of life go in and out of that yeah where sometimes we feel like we're driving yeah sometimes we feel like we're just riding yeah along. And, and that's that's a power that's a power dynamic we run into multiple times every day whether well, you're on yes. a train a plane an automobile you are you could be a passenger or yes. you could be a pilot yeah and and i one i think universal thing that will never go away is how since the since the dawn of like um not just cab drivers well, just any like like horseback carriages Before the and, and ferries and things like that. Just that 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 the 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 fundamental piece of that whole thing is our will our willingness to give up that control. Yes, is something that has has never changed. That we're so willing to get into a, a random person's a, car. a random person's car, an airplane, a bus, a boat, or whatever, and we're just kind of like. You know, we have no like. I mean, some people do. It's different variations yeah. of like an anxious passengers, things like that. But but that's the interesting juice of it is the, all the different you know people who are 
you know, you could get on a plane and it could be the pilot's first day. Yeah. You don't know. Like, you have no idea. But you're just kind of like shutting that side of your brain off of like, should I be worried about this? Yeah. No, no. not really. Um, and that's where I think the, the title back to Paris is where I felt the most of that. Yes. That this blind woman who is walking the street at night. Yes. On her own. See, this is, I think this is the most important fundamental piece of it is that she is so like that piece of her brain of like, should I be worried about this? Should I be worried about walking next to a canal being blind? Should I be worried about walking alone at night? Should I be worried about getting into a stranger's cab alone? Um, who's doing things that I can't see, but I know he's like, he's taking different turns. He's turning a light on all of the thing in Paris is all about that. Like switch that we flip when we get into a cab or get into a plane of like, whatever, mm-hmm. like I'm in a car now, now yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm out of control, but I, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. And so that, that's where I liked the Paris. Yeah. Bit. And that's so much of her life is just giving control to other people. And she has to trust that they're not going to. Yeah. Do something bad to her. And when he when he drops her, like, let's quickly just go through the Paris things. I think yeah. we can get through it quickly. Uh, he throws the two diplomats out that we had mentioned earlier who were yes. mocking him, being yeah. from the Ivory Coast. Mm-hmm. And then he picks up this blind woman. Yeah. Um, who also does not have a name. Yeah. Uh, she's just blind woman. A mm. lot. I love something we didn't mention. A lot of the destinations the passengers give the cab drivers are very... No one gives an address. Yeah, it's not like it's, they're saying, I need to go to Times Square. It's just like, I need to go to, to Brooklyn yes. or in Hel- Helsinki just says, we live on the other side of town. Yeah. yeah. that They just, just say that. Just go there. Yeah. If so, if you pick someone up from Wicker Park in Chicago, what's the other side of town? To me, that means you can almost go to Evanston or Bridgeport. Yeah. Like, it's, you go to like one way or the other. There's multiple different yeah. sides of the town. But I don't know. I just like the idea that they play with the whole like, you know, wh- where are you off to? Brooklyn. Don't yeah. say where in Brooklyn, Brooklyn. or I'm from Brooklyn, L.A. He just says I live in Beverly Hills. Um, yeah, and then it's like go there, and then once she's closer, she starts to give her more directions. I think there yeah. are a lot of people nowadays that maybe would not be able to do that yeah. if they were p- getting picked up from the airport. But they always get to the right destination. I That's take it. a lot of pride in being having a very good sense of direction. I'm a I'm very good at finding my way around. You also have to have your GPS unmuted. No, I have the screen off though. That's what I'm saying. It, I'm one of those. Do I, you know this di- dichotomy and people using GPS in their car? Will? Yes. I wait. No, I don't know this, but I know what I am. So what can, are you? I'm a unmuted. Unmuted? Yeah. Where's your phone? In it's, the car? It's or it's an Apple CarPlay, so it's right there. Fucking Apple CarPlay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. I, yeah. I am. No, no, no. It's, I, wait. I, so because if it's down here. And it's because there's well now we're getting into multiple different variations. Here's I yeah, wanted take, to take me the wanted to narrow Stuart it down. Stuart's a really sweaty like, <laughs> allegory. No, 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 no. This is important. This is There's like five <laughs> options. You're one of the five. <laughs> there's more layers to it. Okay. There's more layers, but let me do- boil it down to just the two options. There's people who they have their GPS either mounted or CarPlay or a GPS on the dash. <laughs> one muted. of the three. Okay. Muted. Right. Yeah. And so all they're doing is they're just like peeking over to the GPS and mm-hmm. they can do it. That's me. Yeah. I don't like having the GPS unmuted where every five seconds, like make a left turn it's, in five seconds. And, and then yeah. there's other people who they don't want to see their GPS. Oh, they'll put their phone in the cup holder face down or in their pocket or wherever. And they have it unmuted. So it'll just say things. So, so they, so it's an auditory direction. Mm-hmm. So those are the two, that's the main fundamental two dichotomy of it. It's that some people like knowing where they're going visually. Some people like know, knowing where they're going auditorily. 
To tie this back to Taylor Swift, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm in the car bopping along and I'm the bridge is about to hit hard, yeah, and it goes, <laughs> take a left, <laughs> kills me. It's crippling. Then, okay, stuff. then why kills do me. you have it unmuted? No, I'm sorry, I'm a muted person. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, sorry. Okay. Did I say unmuted? I, I think so. I'm. So you apologize. just look at it. I just. I'm a looker. I, You're a looker. Yeah. You're. I, a, I put my phone on the thing, and then I actually turn the screen off, and I just have it tell me where I'm going. That's the that's other one. Like that's I, the I'm other just coin. driving. I'm always looking at the road, and then it's just like make a right at you know division, and, and then make it's the right just it. this, and that's <laughs> hard. And, 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 and Jeff, that's easier. That's easier for you to do, as opposed to. Like, if I could explain to the audience, like, looking straight ahead of the road and moving your eyes two centimeters to the right to see the directions on your phone screen, right? I, I will say I miss some turns sometimes. I do, too. Like, if I miss an exit, I usually it's not an exit because I'm, like, really paying attention yeah. about where I get. But if it's, like, it's somewhere I, if it's, like, residential sometimes and I'm not looking, yeah, you know? You'll miss it because they didn't well, say. Dead ass. I turned my thing off and I did just did like the visual when I drove to Indianapolis to see Oppenheimer in like the mega screen they have there. Uh-huh. Um, and I was driving two friends and I missed five exits <laughs> and added 20 minutes to our so, route because so, I just kept driving straight so, because I wasn't like looking at the map. Because you weren't looking at the screen because you're conditioned to just yeah, listen for I the cues. Eventually I just like looked at the screen and it's like you have to make a U-turn and go back stop. 10 miles. <laughs> so, Jeff, stop. But, but that is an interesting dichotomy here yeah. that we have that some people are auditory directioners and some people are visual directioners. Yeah. It is interesting. Um, but anyway, the blind person is definitely an auditory <laughs> right. directioner to bring it back to this as inelegantly yes, right. as possible. Yeah. My right. biggest it's point it. with the Pari- with Parisian segment is that <laughs> I knew that was not a sound I effect. Knew, I knew we were going to get at least one French uh, reenactment from, from Jeff um, that she has to give up that control almost all the time. So, yeah, he, when he drops off the diplomats, he picks up the blind woman and she says, I'm going to go on to the canal drop me off on like the west side of it or whatever yeah. take this specific route and the driver says well i'll just take this route it, it'll be much easier and she says okay but like or no he he is very like defensive the entire ride like he he almost has like a lot of like r- negative reactions yeah. to everything that everybody is saying in his cab so when she says take this route and be like i i know the best route yeah. to get yeah. there and, and then she there's produces like a, the sign. And then she sees the sign. Well, where Stuart, she doesn't see the sign. She feels it. <laughs> she feels the sign. Yes. She feels the sign that says, like, you know, if there's if you know a better route, like let your driver know. And so she says, like, well, what about this sign? He just like takes a sign and throws yeah. it in his front seat. And so, yeah, then pretty much just regular driving, we get some conversation. At one point he asked her about having sex, where he says, like, how when you I've always wanted to ask a blind person this, but like when you have sex with a man, how do you know it's them? Yeah. <laughs> like that's essentially in simple, simpler terms, what he asks her. Yeah. And she says like, I don't know about you, but when I'm having sex, I'm doing I mean, it with, doing all with my of, whole body, with my whole body and all my senses. So like <laughs> I can smell the man I love from like yeah. a block away. It's like, well, it must stink then. <laughs> yeah. Um, so again, just going yeah. more along with this narrative of giving up that control in her case, cause she has to. Yeah. And I like that she he asked like essentially he really tests her and he's like, Where am I from in the world? 
And she displays like how, you know, without the ability to see how much she listens. And it's like, you're from the Ivory Coast. She knows his accent. She knows like his culture. Yeah. And it's like, even though she can't see, she still can tell everything about people. Yeah. And, and, and that gets duplicated even more when he like, like he sees that she's trying to light a cigarette and he turns a light on. Yeah. And she obviously can't see that yeah. but she knows there's something different in the car and so she's like what did you just do yeah like, no, wait, she's putting a lip liner on her lip liner yeah. On. Yes. yeah which is also very interesting because she's like feeling her way around her face yeah, yeah yeah and so uh do you think this actress is overdoing the whole eye roll thing okay or i contacts? wanted to comment yeah. no i don't think they're contacts i think she's literally looking just, up yeah Morpheus style when he's about to <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at last yeah. <laughs> humans are a virus <laughs> no Stuart I have to get out of here it's the smell the smell <laughs> just does it for me <laughs> I regret bringing up Morpheus <laughs> Mr. Anderson <laughs> this is gonna keep playing Sorry. on the loop <laughs> Uh, so, anyways, yes, she is. I do. Not, she is not blind. She's looking upwards. Yes. Um, and I was thinking that must have hurt. <laughs> oh my I'm god! I'm trying to do it right now. That's that's <laughs> not what, pleasant. To do this like through so many of the takes and be yeah. like, oh my god, that's a nightmare. She did very well. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, she didn't break. Like yeah. And uh, and then and, another demonstration yeah. of the power dynamic is that he takes a different turn in the tunnel. Yeah. And she can, she can tell. immediately know Sherlock Holmes style. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Where he gets the hood put over him, knows exactly <laughs> where he's being led. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so she's like, "Why'd you go down this way in the tunnel?" And he just says, "Like, yeah, it's, it's crazy a- that that Sherlock Holmes movie <laughs> exists." It's so, yeah. it's so funny that like that guy. Ritchie, Wait, did you say one? There's, there's two like of them. There's, yeah, yeah there's, there's multiple. No, but Guy Ritchie, like, it's funny. Like his whole thing for like ten years is like, what if we take all these historical f- or legends? And just they they fight now. They're we make boxers. them sweet. And it's like <laughs> Sherlock Holmes, but he's a boxer now. He's just, he's coming on all the fools. And he's like, I'm gonna make the King Arthur movie, but he's a boxer. He's coming all the fools with a feast. <laughs> it's just like that. That was his thing. So it's like the years. James Cameron story. He wrote Sherlock on the board, yeah. and then he just punches the board. <laughs> yeah, he punches punch the studio exec. <laughs> he's like, that's what's gonna be like when Sherlock gets into town. I need the sound effect discombobulate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys see that YouTube video where it's discombobulate for 10 hours. You're just like, first, right hook, then discombobulate, boom, then jab to the stomach, boom, discombobulate. It does boom. it for 10 hours? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. It's been 10 hours long. Um, okay, so I, this is all interesting conversation. I wish that this segment was more interesting to watch. I was just going to say, I, it's I, like kind of boring. It but, did slow it down yeah. a, a bit. Yeah. I, and, and so eventually, he gets to the canal. Yes. And he drops her off. Drops her off. And immediately, like, I don't know about how you guys were interpreting this, but it's like the, it, the, the and the camera angle is almost brilliant here because it, it it's a little bit of a wide shot from the front of the car looking back at it. So we see the canal on the left side of the screen and the road on the right side. Mm-hmm. She gets out on the rear right Correct. passenger seat yes. facing the canal. And we think, okay, that I either wherever she's going, maybe she just lives closest there. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't go to the sidewalk or the road. She goes straight to the edge of the canal. Yes. And my first inclination thing is like, oh my God, is she like going here to like kill herself? Or is she just, she just wanted to go out here to walk? Like, was that it? Because we found her 
out in the middle of the night, a blind woman just walking alone. And we're thinking, okay, like she's already putting herself in a dangerous situation. And so she's at least getting in a cab. That's at least yeah. better. But now she's putting her in another dangerous and even more dangerous situation that she's walking alone yeah. at night blind next to a large body okay, of water. Yeah. So, the- but I, I like that it, it's like she is in the more dangerous situation, but she has control over it. Totally. Meanwhile, he who can see immediately gets into a car accident yes, yes. and the other guy and, gets out of the car is like are you blind and that's yeah. and that's the punchline yeah. of the whole yes. bit that like we think during this whole segment that she's the one that's in more danger she's yeah. passenger to her life because yeah. she is blind yeah right. and that is and not she's a, control she's the driver she drives her life yes and he's a passenger of circumstance yes. yeah um it's, it's like an, it's a nice button on it i just kind of really, think this is like the least I agree. Investing. Yes. Of the, of the I fire. liked the the end. Um, but yes, I, I did not feel taken like yeah. I did with the other ones yes. immediately. Um, if you want to talk about one that gets taken, uh, we go to Rome. All right. Dun, 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 dun. Going to Rome. It should just be Tom explaining the places that we're going to. And we're going to Rome. There's the Vatican. Like, hi, Stuart. He's just like, he's just like listing off landmarks. Um, I would be in the theater like Avengers Endgame, like losing my mind. Yeah, yeah. So we're with Roberto Benini, um, everybody's favorite. Yes. I mean, he's probably like he's the best section of this, right? I mean, the funniest. If he's not the, the funniest. This the was funniest. hilarious. He's the funniest. Yeah, this was an extremely comedic. Uh, he's driving out Rome in the middle of the night, and it's four in the morning over there. Yeah. So th- I think this is a good thing to mention that it's like it's like nine p.m. in L.A., midnight in New York, and then like two in the morning or three in the morning. No, there's a bigger time change than that, but because it goes back to the same time, time. time differences, right? But New York to Paris is like a 10 hour time change. Wait, no, it's it's not occurring at the same time, right? Isn't it just a full night and you're progressing through the night? Because it always resets. The clocks are resetting a little bit though. So I think it's supposed to be the same time, but like Uh, they're different times because of time zones. Because okay. Helsinki happens and it's like just about it's 5 a.m. Yeah, like the Coffee. ending is blue. So hour. like you're going through the night on Earth. Got it. Um, so yeah, this is where like, but in Rome it is like four in the morning. Yes. And there's nobody out. He's the only one driving, and he's just. He's like. The he's driving erratically. Yes. It may seem erratically, erratically, but he has full control. He's like weaving in and out these little tiny streets. Also, I believe the cars are getting smaller. Yeah, yes. if you you increasingly... from the boat that Winona Ryder was commandeering <laughs> to now this little tiny Roman cab. Fiat. Yes, that is just like weaving in and out of the the uh, yeah. brick streets. Yeah. Um, and and he, he there's he, a he has a radio in the car, he, and he's basically something. just like having a sexual innuendo conversation with his dispatch agent. Yes, being like, so when are we having a sex? Uh, <laughs> uh, what? Nothing. Uh, so what are we going to do? It? The he, penetration. Stuart had his fingers on the trigger. Yeah. Like, I'll do it. <laughs> I will do it. Um, but yeah, he's having like a... There's really not a lot to say about the section besides the fact that it is really funny. 
Because he basically, like, he's driving around. He gets a call. He comes across a priest. And he's like, I'm a mess with this guy. No. And, I'm a mess with him? Do you yeah, think? because he does, like, the... Oh, the, yes. That's right. Uh, that's right. Because he sees, that. he yes, sees like, right. the priest standing, essentially, in a, a square. That's and there's, right. like, the statue in the middle. Yes. And the road, uh, it roundabouts the, the statue. Mm-hmm. And the priest's on one side, and the car's on the exact opposite. And anytime the priest moves, the car moves uh, mm-hmm. parallel with him. So the priest is, like trying to get in this car but the car is always on the opposite side of the statue so you can never get to him yeah eventually benini tries to like skirt out of there and the priest is able to catch up to him and get in the car and then from what i've read about the making of this movie is benini basically improved all of his dialogue in yeah. this section are you serious yeah yeah it's yeah. basically just like jarmusch was just like hey roberto just just start saying stuff it doesn't matter what you say wow we just need like this the, the joke of this is that you're just rambling while this guy literally dies in your backseat. Yeah. Uh, spoiler, because that's what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> so he's driving around, and you get that he's, he's uh, like, yeah, making a lot of sexual innuendo jokes with the dispatcher. Yeah. I guess, like, to put, like, a name on, like, you know, the personality trait of this guy, like, he he lives a free life. Yeah. And he's, he has no he has no barriers whatsoever. I will once again defer to the Wikipedia editors for how this goes. <laughs> um, as he drives, he starts to confess his sins. Much to the priest's discomfort, he goes into great detail about how he discovered his sexuality. First with the pumpkin and then with a sheep. Then details a love affair he had with his brother's wife. Miming the actions and mouthing the cries. Already ailing, overwhelmed by the barrage of unwanted information, the priest has a fatal heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) It is basically like just Roberto Benigni being like, yeah, you know, so I had sex with a sheep once, and that was when I discovered my sexuality, but the pumpkin came before. um, He's trying to treat his cab like it's a confession. Yes. Um, And he thinks this guy's a bishop. And he's he not. keeps saying, I got a bishop in my back seat. He's like, I'm not a bishop. He's like, I'm I not swear a to bishop. Christ, and I, I'm not a bishop. He's like, this cannot be a confession booth um, because there's no anonymity. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. He just keeps telling this very descriptive story about how he found himself as a man. Yes. <laughs> I was so thinking funny. like, you know, the there, it's very deliberate choices to be like, okay, this is Rome at 4 a.m. in the middle of the night. The only people who are out is this like, Couple having sex like just yeah, in public, just upstanding on a yes. A then wife. there's some uh, trans hookers. I'm yes. assuming uh, on the side of the road, and and then we have like this fornicating conversation between a taxi and his dispatcher, and just like I guess like where I came Roma into Roma ter- is a city of a scene and the sexuality, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so basically, like my whole thing is like you know this bishop not bishop priest the priest yeah yeah who it's is such, so overwhelmed by sin he literally dies yeah <laughs> like literally he he is almost he's putting his life into his own hands by like going out into a blizzard of sin and he doesn't make it home yeah it's essentially what is <laughs> it's happening essentially the plot that's here. yes yeah the, uh, this one is is the one that's played purely for laughs yeah is the for the most they part. go full comedy yeah here. this is full comic yeah, yeah. Where it's just Benini and just like riffing for minutes while on the backseat, this guy's like, <laughs> and it's like trying to get his pills, he, but he, he can't. He, he starts by, you know, with the confessional thing, he'd be like, I had sex with a pumpkin and I never forgot it. And then I met this sheep named Lola and it goes into great detail yeah. about it. And then he's like, and then I had uh, really hot sex with my, uh, my brother's wife, with my brother's wife. 
Uh, if you haven't done it before, Father, you really should try it. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I'm going into like the yeah. Trump voice there. It's like, if you haven't done if it before, If you haven't Father, done it, you should try, try it. it. Because believe me, folks, you're not getting another experience like that again. <laughs> and so and as this is happening, this guy's trying to take like pills. I'm assuming like some kind of... Yeah heart regulate regulatory they would thing. stop this heart attack yeah it would stop imagine. this heart attack i'm guessing um but they bounce out of his hand yeah. and then he starts to like like convulse with his <laughs> chest and he's the, like Ooh. so the thing that's funny is like it's one of those like fall out of hands that movies do where it's like clearly the actor doing it yeah and so it looks like he just intentionally throws the pills it's like he chooses death over being in this cab <laughs> with this man anymore yeah and, Which and, I, just, I like that idea that he chooses to die rather than be stuck uh, with this man anymore. And then this guy, the priest, eventually dies, and you know it takes uh, Benini, a while, a while. <laughs> long he's just sitting in the back seat sleep. like this because he's like, "You're asleep, Father. You asleep? Hey, hey! Oh my God, he died." <laughs> <laughs> eyes still open uh worst dead body acting because <laughs> the man literally like no, is like breathing and blinking <laughs> all that shit this and so he character doesn't have a name that that's he no just priest know. i'm pretty sure no Gino, like, cap taxi Gino. 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 Yeah. and so they're he, like hey what's an italian name <laughs> so guys like i don't know gino is like, all right we'll do that <laughs> and so uh he just out of sheer panic drops this guy off by like a, a bench somewhere spends a lot of time trying to like make sure he's like positioned in a way that it looks like he could be like sleeping or whatever and then he drives off and that's basically that's the end of the bit it's the end of the whole yeah, segment that is the end of the, yeah it's all all comedy yeah he dies there's not really like a point <laughs> it's just funny yeah. yeah um but then we come to our fun turn <laughs> I'm clearly the passenger on this cab. <laughs> and we're in, we're in Helsinki, which I must confess is the oddest inclusion here of the five cities. Yes. I like it, though. No, I, I like it. It just is funny. That's like New York, Los Angeles, Paris, Rome, Helsinki. Helsinki. Well, it's like it could have been Moscow, it could have been Sydney, Australia, it could have been Tokyo. They should have just fucking gone for the fences and done like some like small town in Urgastan or something. I guess that's why I like I like that it was Helsinki, Finland. Yeah. Like it's not it's out of the way. It's out of the way and it's not po- it's not a popping yeah. big metropolis. It's, you know, it's Helsinki. But we get uh, we get our our lads, our Finnish lads. The way yeah. that they intro them is so I, I loved it so much. Would you yeah. care to tell the story? They, uh, they're basically all asleep. Oh, she's, wait, before this, he's getting the calls. Yes. Rolling through, and he's sort of waiting. He's a very serious gentleman. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he waits, I think, until he has one that's three people, and then he pulls the trigger on that. Mm-hmm. Pulls up. Three drunk guys are sleeping, standing up, leaning against each other. <laughs> um, and it just, <laughs> He shows up. Does he honk the horn? He might honk the horn. He honks the horn. <laughs> that, He's like, you called a cab? Yeah. And the two on the side wake up, and the guy in the middle still f- is asleep and passes out on the <laughs> ground. Uh, I thought that intro was brilliant. Yes. It's important to note, we didn't say this prior, but even it's it probably stupid to even mention this, but all of the ones like the international cities that go are in their native languages. Yeah. So they're not like putting it in English or whatever. 
for all yeah. the different cities. They're all in their own language and then subtitled English. Yes. Which uh, heightened the authenticity of it. Yeah, right. It would have felt very often jarring if when once we bounced to Paris, Rome, and Helsinki, right. if they were all still talking English. Did you have a story about the stunt, a stunt in this? Oh, the Rome bit. Oh, Sorry, yeah, I, missed, I wanted to know that. I, I, I missed that this. bit. So yeah. do you, there's one shot where uh, Benini uh, is the car. It's from a, a wide shot outside the car, just static wide shot, seeing the car do this really tight turn around yeah. these police officers. Yes. The story is that they had the, they were going to have the stunt guy do it and he couldn't make the turn. Like it was so tight and he was just like struggling to get this turn in and they were going multiple takes. And then eventually uh, Benini himself was like, well, can I try it? And he did it on the first take. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. And if you watch that, like, if you know the shot I'm talking about, like I know that, exactly. Yeah. That is, that was like, it's inches. Yes. Inches. And he's like floored through it too. Yes. Like, yeah. it was like, wow. Okay. And you know, again, no lockups, no. streets wide open. Yeah. And the policemen are there too. There's the, like people. Yep. <laughs> and, and the, the, another thing in Rome that we forgot to mention is he passes some, uh, street sweepers. Uh, oh yes, yes, actually, yes, yes, and who were actually real people, and they were like cussing out the car, and that's when the crew like kind of came up. It's like, hey, like we kind of like that. Yeah, we, can you guys like? Are you guys cool with that? You just being in the movie? Okay, so I was wondering, what are these guys doing? Because they have these massive witch brooms with giant bristles. It's the witching hour in Rome. They that is how street sweeping was done. Yeah, yeah. just two guys by hand. Yeah, yeah. just two, just the lads, <laughs> just the lads. <laughs> But yeah, I I I know we passed Rome already. I just I, sorry, I did want the stunt story. Yes, right. Yes. But I just to reiterate, like I know it's all like meant for comedy, and there's not really much other deeper meaning behind it. But I did kind of interpret like, oh, like this is like the witching hour in Rome. Yes, you know this holy city when the where sin he's, escapes. Yeah, he's picking when up the devil is allowed out of the sewer for a couple of hours. Right. It's like he's and picking sin. up a priest yeah. who yeah. isn't normally exposed to the horrors of nightlife in Rome, mm -hmm. kills him. And I just think that was an interesting motif that in this bit that I took away from it. Anyway, totally. Helsinki. Back to Helsinki. Yeah. He picks up the guys, um, the three. Yeah. Two are awake. One still passed out. Yes. And they they haul their passed out friend to the, the cab. Yeah. And yeah. and again, to go with the motif, they're like, where are you off to? It's like, we, we all live really close yeah. by just on the other side of town. They just give him other yes. side of town. And he knows where to go. And, um, and also one thing, he think he basically picked this fair because he thinks three people yeah. get more money. Yeah. And we quickly find out that they're they're gonna get the money off of the drunk guy. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> none of them have money. Yeah, it's his severance pay. Right. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> and so like quickly they start these they're making small talk. Yeah. And do they're we, like, Do we oh. need to pause it for okay. Gotcha. And they're like, oh, we're out uh, drinking. Our friend has had a rough week. Yeah. He says his life is terrible. <laughs> yeah. The worst week of life his life. The worst week of his life ever. And, he's, and, and this guy who, what's the actor's name who plays the cab driver? Because he actually is given a name. Matty okay. Pel Pelonpa. Right. He's playing Mika. Mika, Mika is the guy's name. That's it. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, Mika. So mika you know with his stoic non-wavering like tough guy look face it's just like why why is it his worst week of his life what happened he's like well he lost his job and you're like oh okay and he's like what what happened like is there anything else that happened because <laughs> yeah. he's like okay he lost his job what <laughs> yeah. else he's like well you don't understand like this guy 
he shows up and he's, you know, he's late a few times, like of the normal average kind of guy. But one day he shows up and he was late one too many times and he was just fired just like that. He got into an argument with his boss. He was kicked out of the building, given a severance pay. And that's been it. Yeah. And his wife is uh, threatening to divorce him <laughs> whilst yeah. also being pregnant. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah. his daughter's pregnant. That's right. Yeah. Um, and the cab driver's like, oh, that's rough. And then they're like, so what's your life like? About to ruin this whole yeah. man's career. <laughs> to once again, shout out our Wikipedia friends. They were too distressed by this story to write it out. They wrote, the driver Mika then tells them the saddest story they have ever heard. And that is the only description. That's all they put in there. <laughs> so Wikipedia is too that, upset. And with that, we like to thank the sponsor of this By video, Mika's, Wikipedia. Too, <laughs> the Wikipedia editors were too sad and distraught by Mika's story to put it to text. <laughs> um, um, so would you like to tell Mika's story? Uh, sure. So uh, <laughs> essentially, like Mika starts telling these guys a story of it. You know, him and his wife, they both work really hard, long hour jobs because they want to save up to have a family. Yeah. And they were trying for many, many months. And then at one point, finally, his wife got pregnant. And yeah. so uh, they were very excited, very happy about it. But then uh, I think around the six-month mark, she started noticing some pain and symptoms. And so they go to the hospital and they say, oh, like, we have to induce labor now because the baby's got to come early. So she delivers the baby. The baby's in very, very poor health, um, being premature prematurely born and so then they you know are concerned about it and the doctor says we don't think the child's gonna live like past a week mm -hmm. so they go home and uh it, it, uh makey or mika. mika mika uh mika who's telling the story and he says like and i decided that if we're going to lose this child that i'm not going to get attached to it i'm not i'm going to choose not to love yeah, i'm going to choose not to love them and so, and then he says, I choose to kill my love. Yeah, I choose to kill my love. Yes. But then one week went by, the child's still alive, then another week, and then another week, three weeks went by. And he's like, I rediscovered my love. I rediscovered my love. My wife and I found a new purpose in raising this child, and we were so excited to get started in a family. We started our love. And so then we go to the hospital. The to, doctor is waiting for and the us. The doctor's waiting for us. And he tells us just shortly before we arrived, the child had passed away. And so yeah. it gets very quiet in the car and the guys. And like, they're all like, and we've all had the situation, I'm sure, where we're in the cab or an Uber and the driver is a little sharing his personal life. Yeah. And you still got 20 minutes left of that destination. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so sorry, man. That's real. Rough. Yeah. <laughs> they Right. But um, the they're like they're so distraught by his story that they actually lose sympathy for their friend who just like lost <laughs> yeah. his job. They're like, yeah, this guy's life ain't that bad yeah, after they're all. Like, this guy's fine. <laughs> they're, not, yeah. they're like, he's gonna pay for it. They're like, we're leaving him. Yeah. So they eventually make it to the destination yeah. where they get out. They don't even help their buddy yeah. out of the car. Yeah, and they're like, man, I hope, I hope your life's okay. He'll pay yeah. for it. Um. And so then um, they walk away, and then he eventually turns around drunk guy still in the back seat and he just like wakes up I was like hey come on he's like where the fuck am i it's like you're in a cab at your place and you owe the fare and so he gets out his envelope he hands him some money and then he just gets out of his car and he like literally stumbles out of the car on yeah. the, onto the sidewalk and so uh mika rolls the window down and be like all right you gonna make it home all right after this and he's like just dance so i was like yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's it 
And then he's like, okay. And then he drives away. And then we're just left with the drunk guy. Yeah. Just sitting on and the, the side sun wall. rises. The sun rises. It's the blue. night on earth has ended. Yeah, it's blue hour at this point. And we start seeing people leave their homes. And we can tell that they're like his coworkers who are still mm-hmm. working at the job. So they're leaving their place, going to their place of work. And he just got home. Yeah. Um, not home, home. It's like close to his place, but he's not, he has not gone home, yeah. home yet. But then um, we. Those aren't the actual lyrics. I just improv that. We don't. There actually weren't actual lyrics. It's just a muttering, continuous groaning. Um, that is the end of the movie. Yes. The end of the five vignettes. Yeah. Um, I want to quickly ask, what rank the vignettes? Hot seat. Okay. I'll do it right now. I'm gonna do L.A., Rome, New York, Helsinki, Paris. Oh, Helsinki's so low. It's still good. I would say Helsinki first. New York. Rome, L.A., Paris. That's fair. But but I do acknowledge that the four are very neck yeah. and neck, one through four. And Paris is like an obvious And last. Paris is an obvious last. It's not bad. I, yeah, I want to keep... Of, none of this movie is bad. None of this movie is bad. The Paris one isn't bad. It's just... It definitely is at a different energy level than the rest of the Yes. Are. But I still like the, the idea and the, the theme of it. But yeah, I would say... Yeah, Helsinki... What I say, New York, Rome, L.A., Paris for me. I think I'm going to go Rome first. I oh, yeah, had so much enjoyment just throughout the whole thing, and I was like, this is great. Um, so I'd probably go Rome, L.A., New York, Helsinki, Paris. Um, I liked Helsinki a lot, too. It's just yeah. there's they're very tight together, yeah. all those top right. four. Yeah. And that's the, the Paris one was only just far behind Yeah, those. I would agree with that. I think these are very respectable lists. There's no wrong answers here. Unless you're putting like Paris in your number one. Yeah, and then like go fuck yourself. <laughs> I think it says though a lot about you. Yeah. How you rank them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it responds to you as a person. And much like, you know, knowing whether you're a passenger or a driver, how you rank the five and yet it tells it's important for your character, the arc of your life. Yes. And um, Stuart, you going Helsinki first, straight out the gate. That's, that's you are bold. a stoic Finnish. I mean, <laughs> man, Jeff can probably answer this, but that makes sense for me. Yeah, I know it makes a lot of sense for Stuart. <laughs> yeah, I like Helsinki first. I don't know. I just I like I like the story. Stuart like, likes stories about families, and even though that one's just tangentially a story about a family, yeah, Stuart likes it. Yeah. Okay. I also just like I I like that it was Helsinki, uh, Finland. Like it it could have been like some like I like that it was like basically blue hour early in the morning in like a frozen hellscape yes i really like the vibes of that Stuart, have you seen the iron claw yet no that's the movie that's gonna wreck Stuart's gonna be inconsolable oh, for two I, weeks i after have the not iron claw. seen it but i do know it's basically family yeah like and you're it, a family like, movie it's like, person yeah. it's like four brothers oh fuck and their father <laughs> oh, who they have a tough relationship oh, with oh who's, fuck who's pressuring <laughs> them all into the re- into a wrestling dynasty oh yeah. fuck. it's based on a true story that was deemed 
too sad that they actually had to make it less sad for the movie. Yeah. Because they were like, people won't believe how sad it is it's if sad. we tell the actual yeah. story. Yes. Iron Claw. The yeah, Iron Claw. I'm watch it. And it starts Zach Efron. Um, Jeremy Allen White. And Jeremy Allen White. I just want to be with my brothers. That's what it says in the movie. Um, but yes, you you'll love that movie. Um, how how what's what's the heat check? Do we all we all like Night on Earth. We all yeah. have a good time. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I wish there were more movies made like this. Yes. Yeah. It's, it doesn't not all of them. Yeah. I just wish there were more. It happened more frequently. Yeah, this is yeah. like a very cheap movie that yeah. was. Um, I think it's like a a solid like seven out of ten. It's not like exceptional, but it's like. Exactly. A good time at the movies. Yes. And then sometimes that's all you really want. You don't yes. want like the steak. Sometimes you just want a hamburger. Yes. Um, yeah. And this is like a great little hamburger movie with a few vegetables on top. This is like a little lettuce and some tomato that gives you a little nutrient. I love that. This is the perfect movie if, you know, if, if you have some anxiety about something in your life and you can't go to sleep and it's two in the morning and you're still just nothing's working, put this movie on. Yeah. It, exactly. Yeah. This is a great 2 a.m. movie. Yes. Really great 2 a.m. movie. Uh, excellent 2 a.m. movie. Um, you know, th- this movie comes out, um, premieres at the New York Film Festival in October of 91. Um, it goes on to make about $2 million. I don't know how much the budget was, but I imagine it was less than that. Yeah, it sounds like it probably make it profit. Probably, all the actors probably worked for scale. Um, yeah. And so it's like, it's, it's not a success. It's basically like, a movie that kind of just comes out and goes, but it's it's just one of those like art pieces that will just stick around. Yeah, it's in the Criterion Collection, so it will always have spine number four hundred and one, mm-hmm. and that's never going away. Um, and it's just like it's a fun thing to just have out in the world. Is yeah. a movie like this, and th- this is the real joy of this podcast mm-hmm. is discovering the things like this. Yeah, like of course we're going to talk about Edward Scissorhands, we're going to talk about Bram Stoker's Dracula, all these big movies. Yeah. But it's fun to just like kind of discover these little gems. But like yeah. I said, it's just a respectable seven out of ten. It's nothing extraordinary. Yeah. But it's just a fun time, and I'm glad that I have seen this movie now. This would be a this would be a six out of ten on noon and eight out of ten at two a.m. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. I uh, I think it's really cool that sh- uh, Winona has taken her career in this sort of direction, yes. um, dictating becoming the driver. Of her own career. Yeah. Hi. Hey. Yeah. That was good. That was good. <laughs> All right. Uh, but and and to that also to that point, Will, I, I think it's it because we are doing a podcast analyzing different people's careers, it's good to draw that comparison. Yeah. That like this would not be something John Travolta would do. Yeah, no, Travolta then. would never do this. He would never do this. Uh Brendan Fraser probably would. Yes. Uh I mean he has. Question. But Brendan never like took the initiative for something like this. What yeah. about uh, yeah? So basically, you have the Pulp Fiction of John Travolta. Like, is that that moment? I know he was sought out by Tarantino. Yeah. Is that that moment where he sort of takes a new path? Yeah, that was his big you know change. But that only comes because someone essentially makes that decision for him. He yeah. didn't do that on of his own yeah. volition. Yeah. No, he would have just been making like look who's talking for. <laughs> Um, yeah, and Chains of Gold too, which um, I know you're probably a little upset about. Yeah, I'm like, you would give, like to give see me those. <laughs> look who's talking for, and we can bring Jordy back for another th- another theme song. Don't speak. He's probably that like name. 45 now. Don't speak. Do you that. consider that <laughs> Jordy's <laughs> probably like 45 now? Oh God, it's like this little kid who does like Christmas yeah, right. Song. The, they, 
Yeah. <laughs> if you want to talk about satanic messages in your music, <laughs> no further than Jordy. Um, I have one more question for you guys. Has there been a crossover with all your actors? We've had a Brendan Travolta crossover. Okay. Um, in the Poison Rose. Okay. Winona will not be crossing over with the previous two, but okay. we are going to cover two movies that our next person who we're looking at would be in. Would be in. Okay. Yes. So it, it's a preemptive we still have crossover. Like, we still have like 11 months before we get to the next person. Yeah. So it's not right. like it's an immediate Such concern. Such vision. It's not like an immediate <laughs> concern. Yeah. But there will be two repeats. Um, but you're theory. covering it from a different lens. Yes. Yes. Totally. Uh, so I'll have to get the, some experts on, some Winona experts on the show. But I think going back to my original claim, I, uh, Winona has so far proven to be the most like daring in terms of her yes. acting choices. The fact that she wanted to get out of, she's like, this is, it's not sustainable for me to just play a rebellious teen. I am going to get older, and if I don't put myself into these positions and into these roles, no one's going to do that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very, you know, it's very telling of the the type of like committed performer she wants to be yes um absolutely yeah and i i I, that really does it for me um and in regards to jarmush who i just want to quickly you know because we won't check back him with him again but he kind of he doesn't work with monona again uh but he goes off and just continues to have a very successful career and has you know he's had big movies before this but like he eventually has ghost dog the way of the samurai which i think is his big like really big like come to coming moment to the like the mm-hmm. indie film industry yeah, yeah um and then recently he did the dead don't die which i don't think anyone saw <laughs> dead man also dead man as well massive uh in terms of like the art house indie community yeah and he works and that's johnny depp who winona is dating when she makes this movie yeah um, so there's you know these days connection i'm sure she was like yeah he was great to work with um sent johnny his way yeah that's about all I have for Night on Earth. Do we have any final thoughts to say? Stuart, I know you and I got to get going in a few minutes. I don't think so. I think I've said pretty much my piece. Will, feel, anything for you? I feel good as well. I enjoyed it, yeah. and I will recommend it to other people. This was a fun time to talk about. This was a fun movie to watch. Like you said, t- perfect 2AM movie. Yeah. Incredible 2AM. The best 2AM movie <laughs> yeah. that I can recommend from my office. I, I can't no. recommend people watch this in the day. Yeah, that would be disrespectful to you and the art. Yeah. I would just maybe have a request that uh, Jeff, you as Tom Waits, close this out like this is the movie oh. ending. Stuart, can you? Do, 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 do. Thank you for listening. I did a vote of myself. Next week, get your hand on the sliders. Do, 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 do. It's a retrospective episode. Get your pen in your abode and tune in. Find us. Rate our view. Sorry, it's the breaths in that are ten of you. Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google. YouTube. Oh, find us on Twitter, Instagram. At Travolton Pod. Travolton Pod at Reddit. Uh, Reddit. 
This isn't working. This, oh, isn't, this, this sounds isn't. like a car crash. I really walked into it at this point. All right. Thank you very much. You Special can find us at TripleTeamPod at gmail.com. Uh, TripleTeamPod on Instagram. Thank you very much, Rebecca Johnson, for graphic design, Michael Van Bogen Smith for the theme oh. music, which may or may not be taking you out. I haven't decided yet. I might put the other theme music in here. Okay. See you all guys all next week. For our retrospective covering Winona's first era, It Girl. Roll camera A. Roll camera B. Cut.